Good morning. Welcome to our second service. So glad you're with us here on this Sunday morning. Glad you chose to spend part of your Sunday with us. Want to welcome those who are joining us online. We're glad that you chose to join us as well. Before the message, just a couple things. One is I really want to encourage you to invite uh, to our Christmas Eve services friends, family. It's a great time. People are more open um, to be a part of that. So 3.30 or 5. And anyone can invite. And when I say anyone... My example of that this week is Pastor Bones, uh, our former uh, retired uh, senior adult pastor, nearly 90 years, or actually he's 90 years young, and uh, he's in Samaritans um, on 30th, and he has um, been in assisted living, so we don't see him as much. He's able to come sometimes, but not as often as he would like to, but that's not because he's not watching or he's not engaged, and it's also because he doesn't mean that he does not invite anybody either just because he's not able to be here. So a couple weeks ago, one of our Wednesday nights, if, if you're ever here on Wednesday nights, you have kids, middle school or high school, there's so much going on, great things happening, and I was just kind of walking around, and I was out in the children's, and there were 60 plus kids out there, and Pastor Christie does such a great job with our students, and I just saw these uh, faces, many faces, a lot of them I didn't know, and one I just was kind of pointing out, who's that, who's that, and they're like, oh, let me tell you about this. Pastor Christie said, let me tell you about this one. Uh, she said, that one over there is Pastor Bones's physical therapist. It's her first night here bringing her, her kid because they were like, uh, Pastor Bones saying, oh, you got to take your kid. You got to take your kid. You got to take your kid. And so she goes, I had to bring my kid. And so uh, they were there because Pastor Bones, who's not there on Wednesday nights because they know it's, it's for kids in middle school and high school, invited uh, someone to join us. And so I just want to encourage you, if Pastor Bones, 90 years old, in assisted living, can invite people to church, we can all invite people to church. And so I think that's wonderful. Well, the other thing is, is there was an invitation sent out um, here in the last couple weeks. Half of the group of people received, uh, you know, who was invited and the specifications. The others did not, which leads to a little bit of confusion. We have invited to our home this Wednesday night. Uh, a certain select group of people, special, um, and doesn't mean you, the rest of you aren't, but it, it, it was to our senior adults, to our prime timers, anybody over the age of 65. Well, half of them received something that said 65 plus. The other half just received an invitation. We thought, oh no, if that invitation is going out and everyone says, well, why am I an item? I chop liver here? Why, why am I? So you have to earn status here. And so if you're 65 plus, uh, we'd love to have you drop by our home on Wednesday night from 5 to 7 for a drop-by open house. Uh, it's going to be some fun, some, some cookies, some coffee, some apple cider, and big words that are beyond my pay grade, a charcuterie board, if I said that right. So anyway, it'll be fun. Hope you can, hope you can join us. Uh, great, great there. Now, either you're just laughing because you're impressed that I said it right, or I just totally messed that one up. We're excited, like many of you, uh, for the Christmas and the holidays because it means coming home. And while I say that, I also recognize each and every year that it's also a painful time. Uh, we know that for some, this is your first Christmas without a loved one. We know that it's the first Christmas. And second, third, it doesn't matter. The years go on. There's someone missing from the, from the, from the table, and we just want to let you know our hearts uh, are in prayer for you. And we were a church that believes that we rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. So on the rejoicing side of things, 
Oh, of course, we're excited our girls are coming home this next weekend. At least half of them are. So Heather and I fly to Chicago on Friday so Reagan and I, my oldest, can drive her little, uh, uh, what is that, a little Chevy Spark. It's a little motorcycle with a, with a, with a cage, and it runs on hamsters. Anyway, we're, we're going to drive that back home while Riley and Heather go on to New York to watch a Broadway play for a couple days, and Reagan says, that she feels like she's getting the shaft on this deal. Um, and, and she probably is. She's got to spend 10 and a half hours with me versus going with her mother and Riley for a couple days. Riley's um, college roommate is someone that you're a little familiar with. We prayed all last year for her dad, Javier, and Javier lost his battle with COVID on January 2nd of last year. And uh, uh, Mackenzie, his daughter, is uh, Riley's roommate. And her mom is an American Airlines stewardess for the last 30 years. So they got, you know, kind of a standby good deal. They're going to be heading that way, going for a couple of days, kind of a girl's trip, minus Reagan and myself. Um, but we're excited about them coming back. And I was talking to Reagan about this and kind of a conversation. And we were talking about conversations that we've had that have been meaningful, important, significant. And uh, some of those conversations were on what we call the black couch, now, if you've ever been to our home, you haven't seen the black couch because we didn't bring it with us seven years ago to Kansas. But all of their childhood and up until the point that we moved, we had this black couch. And it was significant in our home because it was a place that we had meaningful, significant conversations. Some of those conversations went something like this. Girls, we need you to sit down. Why don't you have a seat here? And it happened to be the black couch. And we would let them know, hey, we are moving. We feel God has led us to a new church, which is going to mean a new community and new friends and uh, uh, new, new a lot of things. And in those moments, as you can imagine, there was tears that were shed. And uh, I, w- I was reflecting on that with Reagan. And I said, man, that's, man, I'm glad we got rid of that black couch, <laughs> you know, so you don't have it. Because sometimes when we say, girls, we need to talk, even though we don't have the black couch, they'll say, is this a black couch conversation? They want to know how serious this is. And so I was expressing that I felt bad that we made it always the black couch, and I'm glad we got rid of it. And Reagan says, actually, um, I need, I don't know if you remember, but one of the best things that ever happened to me, the best thing that ever happened to me happened on that black couch. For it's where mom and I were talking about Jesus and I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. And so significant, important decisions, some with tears, some with celebrations, but significant moments in our family's life uh, have taken place on this black couch. And um, there are things that we look back on and have in hindsight, we go, man, I'm so, so glad they happened. We didn't know it at the time. And my girls didn't know it at the time, but I think, and I know they would, because they've shared this with me. At times I said, you know, I'm sorry that, Reagan, you went to two elementaries, two middle schools, and two high schools, and hopefully you get to finish at the same place all four years of college. And she's like, don't apologize at all. And, and Riley's the same way. She's like, I'm thankful that we moved. I'm thankful for the adventure and the things that we've been able to experience that we've never, and we wouldn't be where we are today at the school that we're at. We wouldn't know some of the people that we have and some of the relationships that we have. And, and we all feel like our relationship with God is closer than had we not. And that it stretched us. And in that stretching, it's made us stronger. And so we, we don't regret that at all, that it's stretched us, it's growing, it's growing us. And so today, 
uh, I feel like we're having a, a family kind of conversation, a black couch conversation. And if, if you're new with us today and this is your very first time, we'll welcome into the family gathering. And we we'll hope you'll come back. And we know this is a little bit different day, but we're going to have a little bit of a black couch conversation. And just to be real clear, Heather and I aren't moving. It's not one of those sit down, we're re- resigning today, we're moving. But we are asking each of you to move. You didn't know that. Coming to church today and your pastor's asking you to move. Not geographically, but we want you to move in a way that takes steps spiritually. And one of those steps that we take in our journey is the step in generosity and growing in our giving. And yes, I believe it will stretch us, but just like it's done for our family, I believe that it'll draw you closer to God. It will help you and strengthen your relationship with him and we'll all be better for it. So today's message is it's your move, moving forward in generosity. And right out of the gate, I'm letting you know, I'm gonna encourage you to be generous. As your pastor, you need to get another pastor if you, want, if you don't want a pastor that's going to encourage you in his ministry to be generous, it's always going to be a part of, of, our, of our ministry because we believe it leads us closer to Jesus. And as we were talking about this Monday in our uh, staff meeting, Pastor Nate spoke up and he said, don't you dare apologize for talking about generosity and talk about giving. He said, you wouldn't apologize for encouraging our people to read their Bibles more. You wouldn't apologize for challenging our people to pray more. You wouldn't apologize for encouraging people to love people more and to be a part of the church more. You wouldn't apologize. So don't apologize for something that helps us grow in our faith and grow us closer to Jesus. For we believe we are most like Jesus because John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, everything that he had, that whoever believes in him shall not die but have everlasting life. That's Christmas. So we talk about sometimes what are the roadblocks to giving and so why don't Christians give more? Why don't people give? Well, the first one is fear. It's not love. It's not people, I don't, I don't believe it's people don't love God. It's, it's fear. And the antidote to our fear is faith. And one of the best ways to move our faith forward is to move forward in our generosity. Because when we move forward in our generosity, we take steps away from fear and we take steps towards faith. The other thing that is a roadblock for people is just in our world and all that we have is greed. And the same antidote for greed that is for fear is generosity. And when we give of ourselves, we, be, we, we show charity, we show love towards other, and it helps release the grip of greed on our lives. And so here's what I know. Here's what I know about you. Whether you know me or not personally, whether I know you or not personally, here's what I know about you. You like to give. You love to give. Christmas, we're all getting excited about it. And when you're, now that you're, many of you are adults and you get such a joy, not out of receiving the gift, but you get a joy out of giving the gifts at Christmas. That's that's because it's 100% God's design. It's on purpose because you are made in his image. You are made in in the image of God and we're most like God when we're generous because our God is incredibly generous and gracious God. And so today I'm gonna share a short message it's not long, and so your emphasis on the making up for you thinking, man, there's been some long messages lately. You're going to love today. Today's a little shorter. And it's Paul's principles of generosity found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 
starting in verse 6. I want to share six principles, uh, five actually in a bonus, five principles. The first one is this, the principle of sowing and reaping. Verse 6, Paul said to the Corinthians, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but one who plants generously will get a generous crop. This is a principle that all of us pretty much know about, the principle of sowing and reaping. I was, I'm a grandson of two farmers. My grandpa Peterson was a farmer in Scottsbluff, Nebraska, in western Nebraska. My other grandpa was, uh, papa was a farmer in southeast Kansas, Independence, Kansas. Uh, both of them as farmers uh, started out small. Both of them as farmers wanted to plant more seeds, so much so that they bought other property and they'd take some of their profits on the good years and they'd buy more property so they could, they could plant more seed. And there was years when they couldn't afford it, so they would rent uh, a neighbor's land so they could plant more seed because they knew the principle of sowing and reaping that the more seed that you sow, the more opportunity that you have for a, a greater harvest. Because not all seed that is planted grows. Not, not all seed falls on good soil. Not all seed develops. And so it's the principle of sowing and reaping. And the same principle of sowing and reaping is this. Sometimes you can say, well, if I, I sow this, then why doesn't this happen? Well, it's a principle. And, and the same thing with seeds that are planted on the soil. It doesn't mean every seed is going to grow. But it is the principle that if we plant seeds, uh, there's a place in Scripture where it says, cast your bread upon the water, good measure, press down, it will come back to you. That we, we cast out, we, we plant a lot of seed. I love what Bob Goff said, one of my favorite authors and speaker, who says, throw kindness around like confetti. This isn't just about giving. This is about all the seeds we're planting in our life. Seeds of love or seeds of hatred. Seeds of peace or seeds of bitterness and resentment. And whatever we sow in our lives, we're going to reap those things. And, and we as Christians, should, we should have the marketplace. We should own the market on spreading kindness to those who deserve it and those who don't deserve it. It doesn't matter. We should be spreading around kindness like confetti, not caring who it falls on because God in his grace gave us kindness, not caring who it falls, falls on. He wants everyone to receive it. The second principle is this, the principle of priority and percentage. Verse 7 says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. Giving is not luck. Giving is a decision. We don't luck our way into being generous. We have to make a decision that we're going to be generous. We don't, we don't luck our way into saying, hey, someday when I have the resources and the money, then I'll become generous. We, we have to make a decision if we're going to be generous or not. That's the, that's the, that's the principle of priority and percentage, that we make it a priority. I'm guessing one of the top priorities in many of our lives, for most of us, is your mortgage. There's a mortgage, and I bet you pay that near the top because you want to live under a roof the next month. And so you pay that. It's a high priority. I imagine another high priority is food because you want to live to, you want to live, you want to eat to live another day. Some of us, you know, there's eat to live or live to eat. I fall in the live to eat category, and it kills me sometimes. But the idea is that we eat to live, and so you, you pay the grocery bills because you need to eat. We understand priorities. God says, trust me first, put me first in your priorities, and decide on a percentage. 
Uh, maybe it's starting off at somewhere, but you grow in it, but 2 or 3%. So here's the next thing, the principle of cheerful giving. Continue on in verse 7. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a cheerful giver. Giving is about perspective. And we don't want anyone to feel guilty today. We don't want anyone to feel uh, under pressure. We want us to do it out of being grateful. And there's something about getting perspective. We can look, through, look at a situation and see it through di- two different perspectives. Around Thanksgiving, we start thinking about all the things that we're grateful for. And it changes our perspective. There was uh, a Dear Abby, for those of you, the column that was uh, those of you that are my age or older, a little bit younger, uh, there was a column that was always written, an editorial column and a response, and we're all familiar, many of us are familiar with Dear Abby. This was a Dear Abby post. It says, Dear Abby, some people complain that all the church ever wants is money. Let me share my experience with you. After our little girl was born to us, she cost us money from the moment she was born. And as she grew from babyhood to girlhood, she cost us even more. I thought of this and I thought, man, I remember when my daughters were in diapers and I used to think, I can't wait till they're out of diapers so I can give up this expense. That's crazy thinking. I mean, I, sometimes I wish I could go back to the days of diapers. Diapers, college. Diapers, college. I'll take diapers. I mean, I don't like changing them, but the expense wise, I'll take that. Her dresses and shoes were more expensive, and we had to have a doctor through all the childhood illnesses. She was even more expensive during her high school and college years. She needed long dresses to go to parties. When she went to college, we discovered that with a lot of other college parents, that a lot of the expenses are not listed in the catalog. And after graduation, she fell in love and she married. Hasn't happened yet. Lord help us. She was married in a church. That too cost a lot of money. Five months after her marriage, she suddenly sickened, and within a week, she was dead. She hasn't cost us a penny since the day that we walked away from her grave. And as long as the church is alive, she will cost money. And the more alive the church is, the more money she'll cost. Only a dead church, like a dead child, is no longer expensive. Signed, think it over. It's all about perspective. We've been given so much. We've been blessed with so much. And when we live out of that blessing, it's easier for us to give. The church is a living organism. It costs money. John Henry Gallup says, ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. The fourth Paul's provision is the principle of provision. Principle, excuse me. And that's found in verse 8, which says, And God will generously provide will generously provide all you need. Then you have always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. This is the principle of provision. Where do we believe that our resources come from? Do we believe that it comes from because the American way, we pulled ourselves up by our own bootstraps, we worked hard, which there's nothing wrong with that, and we should work hard. That's called good stewardship. But do we believe it's because of our efforts and our abilities and and our minds and our ingenuity? Or do we believe it's given to us as a gift by our creator God, that he is the one that's given us our resources. He's the one that's provided our jobs. He's the one that puts food on our table. What do we believe? It's the principle of faith. Do we trust God to provide? Do we trust in his goodness? Do we believe Christmas? Do we believe in the gospel? 
What's Christmas? What's the gospel? It's very simple. That God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him shall not die eternally but have everlasting life. That's the gospel. That's why Jesus came. That's why we celebrate Christmas. That God came in the flesh to deliver us from our sins that we might have a relationship with him because he was sent for a purpose. He was sent for Easter so he could die on a cross and be raised to life again, defeated our enemy of sin and death. And I just believe that any person that can predict his death, his burial, and his resurrection is worthy of our trust. He's worthy to be trusted. If any person that can predict their, their death, burial, and resurrection is worthy of our trust, and that includes our finances. And the fifth principle is this, the principle of progressive giving and receiving. Verse 10, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide an increase in your resources that will produce a great harvest of generosity in you. You will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all the believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Jesus Christ. The results of giving, of of progressive giving and growing in giving is this. Uh, You've heard me share this before. If you've been with us, you've seen this before from me. This is the posture that we're to be in. This is the posture of giving and receiving. We can't receive if our, we're not open to it, and we can't give if, our, if we're not ready to release it. We can't receive when our hands are clenched, and we can't give when our hands are clenched. This is the posture of giving and receiving. And Paul says there's a few benefits, three benefits that I want to share with you quickly today, three benefits from uh, receiving and uh, from giving, excuse me. Number one, givers are blessed. Number two, he said, needs are met. And number three, he said, God is praised. That is the result of generosity. We're enriched in every way so that we can meet the needs of others and that God can be praised. Let your deeds be done so that your Father in heaven will be glorified. And so this is the purpose of our annual Christmas offering. And so I'm going to show you again the Christmas breakdown. If you're new with us today, this is your first time receiving, but most of us, this is for three or four weeks, we've been talking about what we're going to do to unleash compassion on our community and our world. Because this is about not receiving and getting something for ourselves. That falls in the last category, which is still for others, I believe. But the first two, the first goal of the 80,000 is to give it all away and not keep any of it for ourselves. Not keep any of it for us to use, but to use it for the, to help others. First call for help. That's needs outside the church. When, when people come to our doorstep and they're like, hey, I need help, and we don't know them. We don't know sometimes, and sometimes you can be taken advantage. We want to be good stewards. So if we don't know the person, uh, the church is in our community partner, businesses in our community. You may partner yourselves in our community with first call for help. 
And we don't believe we should send people to first call for help if we're not supporting first call for help. So us with other churches and businesses, that's our answer is to, is to help support first call for help. Um, I'm going to hit helping hands. Helping hands is what Pastor Aaron said is inside the church. Those are, those are people. And if you're here today, actually, uh, this last couple of weeks, some of the staff, we've been kind of sending some names to our helping hands team. There's a team that's not pastors. They're lay people that we send names to of needs. They handle those needs. And we're saying, who are some that we know of that aren't coming to us, but we could, they need, they need a boost. They need encouragement that we could help them with helping hands. And there's other times someone said, I lost my job or this happened. We're able to reach out and say, can we help you with some things? That is helping hands. You never know if it might be someone next to you. Embrace Grace and Open Door Pregnancy. Embrace Grace is a great ministry that we've been loving on single moms of, of unplanned pregnancies. And they've experienced the grace of Jesus Christ through your church and through your generosity that God's best days are ahead of them, not behind them. And God loves them. They come expecting, thinking they're going to be judged. And what do we do? You as a church, you just love and extend grace so that they can see the love of God. And the Open Door Pregnancy is, is a community uh, in our church that our church and other churches and many of you support uh, personally, but that's to help. Um, save babies and also extend grace to these moms' lives to let them know there's hope for them. Camp Canacook Scholarships, that's our annual, uh, uh, it helps bring down the cost of our scholarships so kids can uh, have their lives changed by Jesus. The four fund is to help others in our community that, to let them know when opportunities arise that not only is God for them, that we're for them. And because we show that we're for them, we get to show that God is for them. And finally, McCandless. That's a big partnership. We wish we could partner with every school and adopt every school, but we've chosen to do for one what we wish we could do for everybody, and we partner with McCandless. And this last week, uh, we need to replenish these funds for this next year because 5000 this last week was given by you to buy all uh, groceries to stock the food pantry for McCandless Elementary. About 40 families uh, came on Thursday and uh, some of you volunteered and we were able to get, give out food. More will be given out Monday is what we've been told. But then the other thing is they made this room for a food pantry all year long, not just at Christmas, and you overstocked it in such a way they're having trouble finding room where to put all the food. So good job, church, in doing that. Thank you for being a generous church. We want to continue to be a generous church and love on our community. Then we want to unleash compassion on our world. And the way that we do that as a church is we partner with 31,000 other Nazarene churches around the world to impact over 162 countries through our Nazarene hospitals, through our Nazarene schools, Nazarene churches, Nazarene missionaries. Oh, and by the way, Nazarene Compassion Ministries, I guarantee you they're on the ground where these tornadoes have hit and they're first responding to some of these needs. And so we partner with a bunch of other churches around the world to help support these wonderful works to take Jesus to the utter ends of the earth. And the last one, honestly, the berm and landscaping, the paint exterior, if we don't get there, we can make it. I mean, I'm kind of getting used to driving up and seeing green on our, you know, it's kind of a Christmas time, that green coming down the side of our walls. And then you come walk in, you'll see some of the paint peeling off the entrances when you come in. We can make it. We're okay. To me, that's just icing on the cake. But it is a good first impression. When people come in, they don't see a place that's run down. When first got there was a parking lot, I had potholes. I don't know if you remember that, but we had to put orange cones around the potholes in our parking lot so people wouldn't have damaged cars suing us the next week when they came to church. Uh, it's important that we do some of these things, but friends, I'm glad that two-thirds, the top two-thirds 
is all directed to help others. So here's the final uh, bonus that I just saw this morning as I was reading through the passage again. I read all of chapter 9. I was like, how did I miss verse 2? Why did I skip over that? This is the bonus. No extra charge. For I know you're eager. For I know how eager you are to help. And I've been boasting to the churches in Macedonia, Macedonia that you in Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. Generosity is contagious. Your children give because you gave first. We give because God gave to us first. Generosity becomes a thing that's contagious. And so today, as we were prepared to receive our second offering, we don't normally do this, and we're doing it in a different way that we don't normally do. So if you're new with us, encourage you to come back. And by the way, if you're new with us, we don't want you to give anything. You're our gift to us. You're one of the reasons that we give. We, you're, you being here is our gift to us. But as we prepare, prepare to receive an offering, I want to encourage us to move in our giving. You know, the girls will come home, they love to play games. Maybe your family likes to play games. And maybe there's a family member in your household that doesn't pay as close attention as they need to when you're playing games. And so someone nudges you and says, it's your move. It's your move, your turn, it's your move. It happens to be me most of the time. It's like, can't it's your move? It's like, okay. Because there's usually a game on in the background or something like that, but I'm giving up on the Broncos. They're all done. They're dead to me. So we're moving on. I'm not, never going to watch them again until three o'clock this afternoon. But we're not, other than that, I was done with them last week. Congratulations to your Chiefs. I'm so happy for you. Thrills my soul. But it's your move. And I want you to know in your move, no guilt, no pressure. You may be in a position here today and you're going, I need help. We need to know that. We, we can't know all those needs. Let someone know. Let a pastor know. Uh, some of the, what we're giving today is to help those in our church, our helping hands that have needs. Uh, we have people that are good stewards of that. They'll be wise about it. And we can't fix every need, but we can do something. You may be here today and you're like, man, I didn't know this was happening today. Um, we're inviting everyone to be a part, but we don't want anyone to feel compelled like they have to, that it's a get to. And we're asking everyone to just do their best, to, to be generous. So what, what has given your best Christmas gift? We've been saying that. What's your best Christmas gift to Jesus this year? Well, it, may, it looks different for all of us. When I was a little kid, this is one of a cool Christmas. I didn't even receive this, but I recognized how cool it was. My aunt and my uncle... Um, they were the favorite aunt and uncle because they had no kids. Thus explains why they had money. And my aunt, after everyone had opened gifts, my aunt said, everyone, we're going to the garage. Let's go to the garage. Let's go to the garage. And all about 12 of us grandkids, my grandpa, my grandma, all the aunts and uncles, we all went out to the garage. And there for my uncle David was a brand new pickup truck with a big red bow on top of it, like you'd see on a commercial with a red ribbon wrapped around it. And it was his Christmas gift that Christmas. Well, they're able to do more. That would be a, what's their best Christmas gift would be different than the one of what was given to us this week. This last week, we received a Christmas card from Heather's grandfather, 103 years old, who lives in Michigan. And he's always so sweet and kind, and 
He sent this card, and he's on fixed income, Social Security. He's far outlived his retirement. And yet we open up the card, and there's a crinkled up $5 bill and five ones. And as I look at my niece and my nephew, if you didn't get that $10, we'll give it to you. Says, I feel really bad. Hopefully you got that. Did you get it too? They got it too. That makes me feel better. I just realized they're in the second service. This would be really bad if you showed favorites to us. I mean, that would be a bad thing. But $5 bill, five ones. And I'm thinking, you know, let's go to McDonald's. And Heather's thought is more of, let's frame this. We don't know when the last time we're going to get a gift from our 103-year-old grandfather. It's special. It has significance. Because it's not the size of the gift. It's the size of the heart and who gave it to us. And that's his best. I know that that's his best. God knows what our best is. And you may be thinking, my best is just not that much. God knows your best. And you give with a, with a heart of gratitude and in the right way, can I say pride or proud that, God, I'm, I'm doing my best for you. This is my best I have to God knows that. It doesn't matter. So we're going to receive an offering today in a different way. We don't normally do this. Once a year is all that we will do this. This is where actually we're going to pray like we do when we receive communion. We're going to pray and reflect. Instead of praying and reflecting on the the blood that was shed for you and the body that was broken for you, although that should be part of the reflection here, it's to reflect on what would God have me to give. And we're going to take a few moments while Dustin plays and we're just going to take a moment um, and we're going to fill out our cards. We were in the first service, so we're not going to be able to do this in the second service, um, but it's because we get to go to two services. But we're going to give an opportunity. We're going to turn up the music. We're going to have a celebration because we get to celebrate that we get to give. It's not that we have to, we get to. And that's where we want our hearts to come from. And so at the end, I'm going to come back up here, lead us in a prayer, and then we're going to receive our offering. We're going to do it with a celebration. And so you can get out of your seats at that point. For us, um, it's giving like this now. Before pandemic, 25% of us gave this way and 75% of us gave through an offering that was passed. Post-pandemic, 75% of you give online or digitally and only 25% of you give in a physical way. Either one's okay. Whatever the case is on that card, you can fill out that you've already given, but write that amount so our counters can kind of count that up. And uh, whether you've already given, like many have already given this week, we're still going to bring it forward. And you're at home, if you're still watching, I hope that you are. Um, you can obviously do it digitally. You just don't get to participate in the, in the coming forward and receiving that. But we're going to make it a celebration. Let me pray for us. And then we're going to get the opportunity to give our best gift. Father, thank you for this day, for your love for us. Lord, thank you for sending your son, for giving all you had for us. And Lord, I just pray that every heart right now would be at a place of peace and relaxed knowing that, number one, they can trust you. Number two, knowing that you know their heart. It doesn't matter uh, what anyone else thinks around, around them, and it's not anyone's business around them. But Lord, help us to just give of our best, give our best Christmas to you this year. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, for how you're gonna use this to bless and help our community this next year and to point people to you in Jesus' name.